0: Hello everyone, this is uh, the Liberty Radio Hour presented by Liberty Coin and Precious Metals. As a part of our Libertopia series, we're going to sit down with Stefan Molyneux for 10 or 15 minutes and ask him some questions. First of which being, have you ever been to San Diego before, Stefan?
1: I have never been to San Diego before. I've been to Los Angeles before on business. I've been sort of up and down the uh, Western California coast, but mm-hmm. I've never been to San Diego before.
0: So you're uh, you're familiar with this concrete island of
1: Southern California. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you see, you're going to say anything negative about San Diego, I'm going to compare it with Canada in October. So a concrete island looks pretty damn good when you're looking at near zero temperatures up, up north. Yeah, I think you mentioned that yesterday when you said how uh, we were saying it was a little bit cool here. Yeah, it's a little bit cool here. It's a little bit here. A little <laughs> cloudy here. It's like, uh, are you sticking to metal things? No. So stop <laughs> (laughs)
0: Uh, I think some of the things we'd like to focus on is uh, really the economic outlook in which we all find ourselves. We've heard things from uh, economists such as David Friedman, who believes that we might not experience hyperinflation or inflation any worse than it already is. Not to put words into his mouth, but that's the impression I've got. All the way to people who think that this is going to collapse at any time, and they're in some third-world country, I guess under the assumption that since these countries are poor, they
1: have a little bit less further to fall. Where do you uh, fall in on that uh, spectrum? I think the first and most important thing to recognize is that the rulers don't believe in the economics they teach to us. Mm. right? So the rulers believe in Keynesianism not because it's intrinsically true, but because it gives them the power mm. to increase spending. I mean, governments love to increase spending. That's, how you, that's what power is, is you know, stuff for free you know, that's been stolen. And so Keynesianism has become successful because it gives politicians additional power. But I don't think that politicians genuinely believe that more debt creates more wealth. I mean, nobody who's sane believes that, that if you go further into debt, you're somehow more wealthy. So I think if we accept that the leaders are Austrians, Mm -hmm. so to speak, the Austrian economists, that they're more free market, that they understand the free market, then I think that we can understand that what we receive is propaganda. Uh, I don't know if you've read 1984, but O'Brien takes sort of Winston Smith into the inner circle, and they realize that most of what the the inner circle, they know that what they're saying is nonsense. It's just useful Mm -hmm. to to the outer people. And so if the people in power really do understand free markets and economics, and I believe that they do, because if they wouldn't, if they don't understand that, they're too dumb to be in power and are ruled by idiots, which makes us even more of an idiot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think they understand it. So I think that they know that there are too many dependent tax livestock, right, they've created too much dependence through the welfare state uh, th- and through corporate welfare as well, you know, libertarians often focus on the welfare like the poor, but I mean, statism is corporate welfare as much as if, if not more as we and saw with the bailouts. Right, any government spending would be Yeah, any government spending, point. it creates a kind of dependence and distorts the marketplace. And so my particular belief is that this is all well known in the circles of power, right, they've got a sort of as, as uh, Jefferson said about slavery, they have a wolf by the ears, they can't beat it or let it go, so to speak. So what's going to happen, in my opinion, (coughs) I don't think we're going to hyperinflate our way out of debt. Uh, I think there's going to be some inflation. But hyperinflation is too well known as a strategy now. Everybody's looking for it. Everybody knows that the government wants to hyperinflate uh, out of the debt. And so the moment that the government starts doing anything like that, people would just dump their bonds, right, which would cause catastrophic rises in interest rates, which would destroy the government's ability to even service its debt, let alone pay it off. So I don't think that hyperinflation is an option. This wasn't well understood in Weimar, Germany. It wasn't well understood in other places of hyperinflation. But in the West, uh, it's pretty well known in economics. I mean, you don't have to be an Austrian to know that printing money causes uh, inflation. I mean, that, that's well understood. So I think that uh, they're not gonna take that route. There'll be some to, to sort of cushion it, but what they're going to do is start preaching austerity measures to people on fixed incomes, to people who are dependent upon the governments. There's gonna be a resurgence of stand up for yourself and be an individual and don't be dependent on the government. And when the government starts doing that, then the media will start following and then the movie makers and the artists uh, will start following about self-reliance and don't be dependent. And that's the whole. there's gonna be a whole cultural tidal wave of memes going through where uh, it's gonna become more shameful to be dependent on the government because everyone's then going to start picking up on that and reflecting it, and they're going to try and minimize their payouts to the dependent classes because they know that they've wrapped the productive classes too tight in regulations and taxes and control and debt, and they need to liberate uh, the productive classes so they can begin the feast anew. Right? They don't want to go back to the Middle Ages. They don't want to go. Uh, they don't want to go the way of South America. So I think they'll just turn on the dependent classes and. Preach self-reliance and back mm-hmm. to basics and values and let's eat cat food and live three to a room. What yeah. about, Go ahead. So what about the portion of that just becomes extremely difficult? I mean, all these people now are dependent. They're not going to like the fact that somehow you, you cut off their funds. Well, uh, sorry, I, I don't think that they'll, they'll just not mail out the checks, uh, but those checks are not going to increase. They may diminish to some degree. Look, if, if governments can get people to believe that there's a moral crusade somewhere, I mean, America, as we talked about at lunch, America gets involved in World War II. I mean, you got, you got millions of Americans shipped overseas, hundreds of thousands of Americans killed for a European war that had been going on basically for 2,000 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but people did it because, and that was much more sacrifice than simply a reduction in your social security check. If you can get people to believe that there's some sort of moral crusade and they'll bring up the children... Mm-hmm. you know we've been we've been wasting the resources of our children we've been we've been spending the future we've been selling off the unborn we have to stop mistakes were made but we all have to pull together now to they'll just get people to accept reduced circumstances and if they can get the moral message believable across like you know nazism was about fighting the german tyranny and liberating our brothers in europe and fight them over here over there or fight them over here and blah 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 right if they can get the moral argument across the rest will follow easily the challenge is reversing this thing where the dependents have been seen as genuinely dependent and needy. And now they're going to have to be reframed as greedy and lazy and incompetent mm-hmm. and, and in need of a swift, swift free market kick to the butt. Well, but people can do that. I mean, they switch this stuff around uh, all the time. And remember, the communists were our deadly enemies for year after year, decade after decade. They wanted to, you know, rape our women and, and you know, uh, have sex with their dogs and stuff and now we go to the communists for debt (laughs) they lend us money right i mean so you can switch the stuff around easy peasy people have no sense of memory
0: and people are so familiar familiar with the cold war as a proxy war a hot proxy war after Mm -hmm. a hot proxy war but what the imf and the world bank had done through their structural readjustments or their austerity measures in in uh, the poorer countries really offers us a Vibrant record of the way in which uh, the power structure is able to restructure economies. After the Vietnam War, of course, millions of lives lost during that hot war. Yes. But from 75 until 80, what a lot of people don't realize is that the International Monetary Fund went in there and then waged a second war, an economic war. And so that gives us sort of a model about what we <laughs> might see come to the West. It's been experimented with over and over again, and perhaps uh, dialed in a little bit. Yeah. And then you also have, uh, as far as uh, novel ways of bringing in austerity measures, with the environmental movement, you see obviously that the, uh, the poor people have to tighten their belts, drive their cars less, whatever they're asking of us, um, when really the Department of Defense is probably the keystone polluter on the planet. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, if we count bombs as pollution, yeah. We talk mm-hmm. about acid rain, how about fragment rain? But yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, and the austerity measures that have been preached, I mean, this is some a paradox that I can't believe that people in India and China aren't going insane because for years and years we've been told we need to help the poor, right? I mean, help the poor, and look how many people there are poor in China and India. And so finally, uh, the poor are helped, uh, not through a government program, but through free market reforms that have occurred in, in, since the 90s in China and in uh, India. And now, uh, now that the poor are finally got 50,000 people a, year, a month coming into the middle class, I mean, it's the, the, the greatest wealth, re- wealth increase and the greatest poverty reduction in history. Are the people who care about the poor really happy about it? Are they just, wow, this is the most wonderful? Thing? No, because it's against the ideology. This shouldn't be happening because of the free market. So now that the poor are actually finally being helped, or rather they're helping themselves because people are not pointing guns at them for free trade and, and entrepreneurial activities, now all the leftists are saying, well, they're polluting. Mm-hmm. You know, now that the poor see, we wanted the poor to become richer, but we didn't want them to use any energy. We didn't want them to expand. We didn't want them to build anything. I mean, it's completely mental. And the fact that nobody points this out just shows you how crazy our society is. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of people are under the impression that the the, the eastern powers are rising now. We're going to see uh, this new empire building in the east, and that mm-hmm. it's time for their civilization to sort of have their time in the on the uh, at the center of the world stage. But it seems to me that the way in which things are structured, if the West collapses, you're going to ha- essentially have uh, depression or hyper hyperinflationary episodes the world over. Uh, would you agree with that? Or do you think that we will see the Eastern powers uh, yeah. uh, rise because of their fiscal
1: uh, policies or what have you? Well, fiscal policies uh, and demographics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you just sure. look at birth rates, right? No culture that I know of has ever sustained a birth rate as low as, I mean, America's is higher. I think it's a little over 2, 2.1 and so on. Mm-hmm. But in most of the West, in, in Europe, it's 1.3, 1.5, 1.7. In Canada, it's not even at 2. And so that, of course, means dilution of, of Western culture through usually very foreign immigration, right? No, immigration is great, you know, lots of different. But, but the reality is is that it, it uh, does dilute the core culture, right? I mean, a lot of people who come from India or, or from China, I mean, they're not going to have the same history uh, with Western philosophy, Western culture, the, the Renaissance, the Enlightenment, and, and the, all of that kind of good stuff. And... and they also won't have some of the bad stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the hardcore socialism and collectivism that has been growing over the past 100, 150 years in the West, so it's a mixed bag. But they just ha- have a lot more kids, and we have a lot more of an aging population and fewer kids, uh, and of course the ratio of people who have to contribute to the maintenance of the age, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, is tiny relative to how it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of things that are contributing, uh, but of course the demographics do to some degree follow the policies, right? I mean. Uh, I've said in my show that uh, smart people don't breed well in captivity and I think that's very true um, When you look at if you're an intelligent guy, you guys are young intelligent guys, right? So you look at the part, oh, I could have a family I can have kids and so on, right? Well, mm-hmm. most people say well that means two people working which means you got to get the kids up in the morning You got to drop them off at daycare. That's a really stressful thing Try getting a two, two or three year old out of the house in less than an hour. It's a challenge. Mm-hmm and then someone else takes care of them all day and it's very expensive and then I get them home at night and i got to feed them and i got to bathe them and i got to put them to bed.
0: And of course, what does this person, well, how does this person see the world who's going to be taking care of them? Right. Are they violent by nature? What sort of traumas have they gone on or gone through in the past?
1: Yeah, so I, th- I think that most people look at having kids as not that great a deal because, I mean, the, the joy of kids, I say this as a stay-at-home dad, the joy of kids is all the little stuff that happens during the day, the great conversations you get into just spontaneously out of nowhere the mm-hmm. great insights they'll just drop in it can't be scheduled it's just a experiential thing and so i think that because taxation has risen so much i mean this mm-hmm. is the terrible thing right house housewife work couldn't be taxed but women going to mm-hmm. work can be taxed so this is one of the reasons the government's funded feminism so much to get mm-hmm. women out into the workforce so they can be taxed which all that means is that uh, you end up with uh, two people working trying to raise kids is a stressful and difficult life and so I think a lot of smarter people are like, not so much no, but maybe later, you know, mm-hmm. maybe. And so you get this diminishment of, of the, um, the birth rate, which is entirely related to government policies and so on. So, uh, yeah, it's a whole reason why the decline of the West is going to occur, I think. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, the, the, you know, the Federal <coughs> Reserve policy of inflation contributed
0: to that as well. So, you know, we used to have to, it would be enough for one person in the household to be able to support the entire whole household. But because of inflation, it's actually... You know now two people need to work. So um, again, I know that you're not necessarily a promoter, uh, proponent of gold and silver specifically, but that there should be a free
1: market of currencies and not a monopoly of force like hmm. the central bank, the Federal Reserve system. Oh, I completely agree, and I believe that if we were to eliminate central banking, I have no doubt that gold and silver would be the default position. You know, would it last if entrepreneurs came up with other kinds of currencies? Who knows. But it's hard to argue with 5,000 years of human history where gold and silver is the default currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see any reason why that would in particular change You know, next year or the year after if we got rid of a central bank. So yeah, gold and silver are essential mm-hmm. things to have. I mean, I'm with you guys as far as that goes. I've right. just been buying a bunch of it myself. and. I'm cognizant I just was at the one of the Casey summits uh, when money dies, which was you uh-huh. know pretty much uh, the takeaway in many ways was you know get yourself some gold and, lots yeah, and of it historically if you
0: can. speaking at the end of many fiat currency systems, if not all of them, you do have that default to gold and silver yeah. but then it's a basically a transitory period <laughs> uh, but it may
1: last maybe gold and silver is the most efficient way to do it. Uh, obviously if you could have a currency without needing to extract it from the earth to refine it there'd be less overhead as far as the creation of that currency goes. But at the same time, if you have a currency that could be easily created, you're going to get inflation Mm -hmm. at one time or another. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Bitcoin has its own way of doing it with sort of, you have to put a lot of energy into creation of Bitcoins and it gets harder and more to mined. So, I mean, who knows? Nobody can predict it, but I do believe that gold and silver definitely in the short to medium run is, th- is the place to go, in mm-hmm. my opinion, in terms of uh, investment strategies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, th- I say this as a complete amateur idiot who knows nothing, so you know, take that yeah. for what it's worth.
0: Uh, Joe and I have been pretty aggressive <coughs> savers. We believe in saving. We think that we have to. Mark Faber said recently the Americans, among a number of things, are going to have to start saving. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how do you uh, advise people to go about that? Because we know we're going into some sort mm-hmm. of crisis economically. What options do you <coughs> feel they have, families oh, and individuals?
1: It's easy. Saving is so easy. Just stop spending. <laughs> no, I mean it's it, You know, it's like it's like dieting. You know, just stop eating. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just you know, just stop eating. You know, to put down the cheesecake and and pick up a carrot. I mean, that's that's as complicated as it gets. I mean, I know that there's it's not you say it and it's done. But with spending, it's easy. Of course, the problem with with saving and spending is that it's mostly dictated by interest rates, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, the idea is that when lots of people save it, then there's an excess of capital, which means that the interest rates go down because it's cheaper, mm-hmm. right? Whatever you have an excess, the price of it goes down, and, and interest is just the price of capital. And so when lots of people save, interest rates should go down, which should encourage people to spend rather than save, mm-hmm. right? And when lots of people are spending, there's less capital, so interest rates should go up, which should encourage people to save rather than spend. It's supposed to balance out that way in the free market. But because the government... Because the government controls not only the money supply, which everyone focuses on, but the government control of the interest rates is incredibly destructive to the free market because all of those macroeconomic uh, signals get completely messed up and bunged up. So people have been saving because interest rates are so low and there's inflation. So sorry, people have been spending because interest rates are so low and there's Mm -hmm. inflation. So why would you want to stick your money in the bank where you get a quarter point of interest when inflation is 6%? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just you might as well just set fire to your money year after year. So people want to spend it and and sort of put it into something fixed, whether it's a house or a car or just something that's right. tangible. Uh, and so, which but of course, created all these booms. Yeah, which I mean. has created all of these booms and and has starved, uh, has starved entrepreneurs of capital. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is uh, it's terrible. And until the free market takes over interest rates again, you're just going to keep getting these ridiculous cycles. How do you feel about uh, Max Kaiser's buy Silver Crash J.P. Morgan campaign? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think I'm all for that kind of activism, because that's win-win, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you win, you crash J.P. Morgan, and if you don't crash J.P. M- Morgan, you still have a bunch of silver. Yeah. So, you know, it's not you chain yourself to a cop car and get dragged 200 <laughs> yards, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And that that entire uh, campaign is based on the idea that J.P. Morgan has a bunch of shorts in the silver market, but of course, because they have such manipulation over silver, from the paper market. They're able to crash the price and then cover those shorts and then go long and make money off that run. But what you have seen over the last few years is you've seen uh, the price of silver steadily rise and the price of the J.P. Morgan stock uh, slowly go down. And it's, uh, uh, as Kaiser refers to it, price propaganda where when you see the silver price as the same as the J.P. Morgan price, that uh, that, um, spells a negative outlook for the J.P. Morgan price and perhaps a positive one for silver. Mm. Um, I think first and foremost, silver is a nice hedge or savings account more than anything because right. it's important to save, but where do you save is the main question. Uh, but it is good to see that sort of activism.
1: I yeah. agree. You save in stuff. You know, There's um, someone, I read this somewhere and it's very true, a really, really good suit costs about an ounce of gold about 100, 150 years ago. And you go all the way back. I'm sure it's about the same. And right now, a really good suit costs about an ounce of gold. And oh. that's the kind of continuity that you get with gold. And if you look at other things like housing prices, it's a little bit different from the booms, but lots of ratios of goods can be measured in gold. They're pretty constant. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I would much rather save in gold. Uh, I think stocks are going to take a bit of a beating. I think bonds are are challenging. Um, And of course, the government bonds are just Please tax me in the future. I mean, that's all. But I think the interest is coming from a government doesn't, doesn't make any money. So, yeah, I think gold and silver are a pretty good place to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Any final comments on uh, your experience here over the weekend or your own activism? Oh, I love it.
1: Uh, I love it. Um, I think it's great. Uh, I really, really enjoy meeting you guys. I've enjoyed meeting other people. I, I feel normal here. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you feel like you're kind of swimming against the current. And, you know, in Canada, it's a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, we don't have much of a libertarian movement and so I really do enjoy coming here and just feeling like uh, I'm with like minds uh, you know it's, it's funny to see they say it's nice to be around people who think like us I, I don't quite agree with that I think it's just nice to be around people who think right. <laughs> and who are open to new ideas so you know highly recommend Libertopia and um, this whole experience has been great and how about you guys?
0: Oh, we've had an excellent time you know we, we uh, found out about the event about six months ago we decided that we would be a sponsor of it and it's been everything we would have wanted and expected of it um, We've learned a lot. There's been, a, su- surprisingly, a uh, multifarious uh, uh, arena of ideas
1: mm.
0: where you don't have everyone thinking the same thing. Um, what you have are some people who are in some ways opposed t- or, or for ideas that traditionally you might think are the dispositions of a statist, mm. um, which has surprised me. But no. that's all right.
1: takes time. You know, I was just saying on this as a speech, I got this Dick body. What's the difference between an anarchist and a libertarian? A libertarian to anarchist, that transition uh, about six or seven years if you're paying attention. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good way of putting it. Well, thank you so much for your time. Our pleasure, and my Steph. pleasure. Thank and you, if Steph. you, uh, if I repost this, do you want to give your guys' a website?
0: Oh uh, sure, that's no problem. Uh, this is a uh, Liberty Coin of Precious Metals. Our website's at www.libertycpm.com. And uh, have a great day. Thank you so much, stuff. My pleasure.